And I'm your co-host of TCB Radio Network and Elvis tribute artist, Peter Alden. Welcome to the TCB Radio Network podcast. Get ready for some Elvis content and news you can use, where it's all Elvis, all the time. Interviews with authors, Elvis fan club presidents, artists, musicians, and of course, close personal friends of Elvis Presley, people who knew him, the man himself. Thank you for tuning in. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time for the TCB Radio Network Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to TCB Radio Network Podcast. We are thrilled today to bring you an interview with the fabulous Kimberly Davis Ward, who we met in Memphis this year, August 2018, for Elvis Week. She's a delightful person. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Before we get started, I want to reiterate one of the most important parts that she's going to get to later, but I want to give you a little more information than we were able to, to fit into the show itself. Um, Kimberly has a DVD that was produced about the Memphis Mafia with some really interesting interviews. You'll be able to hear her talk about this more later. But we wanted to let you know that you can actually own this DVD if you would like. And here's how. You just go to CrowdRise.com and search Kimberly Davis dash ward make sure you put the little hyphen in between her two last names and uh, again this is benefiting the friends of king's college london association inc you'll know you're in the right place there's a uh, wonderful letter there from kimberly now if you donate 25 dollars to her cause it requires you to put in your email and then kim will have your email so she can email you back to get your address to mail you this exclusive dvd um, another thing you can do is just send a note and a check for $25 made out to Kim Davis, and she'll just mail you back the DVD. So her address is Kim Davis, P.O. Box 101, Arlington, Tennessee, 38002. And I know that you'll enjoy this DVD. It's a wonderful a gift for your donation to this fantastic cause. So without further ado, we'll get started our interview with Kimberly Davis Ward. Richard Davis was a longtime member of Elvis's Memphis Mafia. Richard started working for Elvis after he returned from the Army and continued to work for him until 1971 as a bodyguard, a stand-in for 23 movies, and eventually a wardrobe manager. Richard remained friends with Elvis until the very end. Sadly, Richard passed away on August 26, 2004. Today, we are interviewing his widow and the mother of his triplets, the fabulous Kim Davis. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Krista. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you being here, Kim. We have a kind of a dual-edged question here. We want to know, who was Richard Davis to Elvis, and who was he to you? Okay, well, let's see. Richard grew up here in Memphis, as I did, and he had mutual friends that worked for Elvis, um, Sonny West and Alan Fortas. Actually, he first met Elvis at the uh, Memphian Theater. Richard was a few years younger than Elvis, and he worked at the Memphian Theater as a assistant manager. 
and uh, he used to let Elvis and Anita Wood in the side door and have them go upstairs in the balcony so they could do whatever they did up there, probably, you know, kissy face, all that fun stuff. And that was the first time he met him. And then um, he started going to the movies with him, hanging around, around him. And then finally, um, he was up at the house one day and Elvis said, look, we're going to be making a movie. Um, and it, well, if he said, basically, if you're ever out in Hollywood, give me a call. And Richard's mom lived in uh, California. So he and Alan and Jimmy Kingsley went out there and uh, made their way up to the house. They couldn't find the house because they were, you know, two country boys from Memphis uh, in Bel Air. Didn't know where they were. So they sent a car down for him. And, of course, he walked into the mansion and thought he had made it. The, all the beautiful women, the, you know, wonderful food, the this all the perks that come along with being Elvis Presley's friend. And that's where um, Elvis hired him to, um, it was just supposed to be a temporary thing. He was making, it happened at the World's Fair, and they were going to be shooting on location at the Seattle World's Fair. And he just needed some extra security. And so after the party was over, he uh, asked Joe to call Jimmy Kingsley and Richard into the bathroom, which Elvis's bathroom was, you know, much bigger than what we would would think of our bathroom. So there's, you know, four grown men standing in the bathroom talking and Elvis um, hired him in the bathroom. And Richard used to say he's the only person that ever got hired in the John. Um, (laughs) But so that was supposed to be the only, only he was just supposed to work for him for that little bit of time. And Richard's humor was amazing. I mean, he, he had me laugh all the time. I have laugh lines all over my face and I blame him for all those laugh lines. Um, but he just, he liked him and he kept him on for another 10 years. Um, they were the same height and the same size. So Richard became Elvis's stand in. He bought his wardrobe because of the same size. Richard, it would fit Elvis. Um, he would go and buy street clothes and lay them out on Elvis's bed and Elvis would pick what he wanted and the rest, uh, um, Richard would take back and get credit back on the credit card. So they were first and foremost family and friends. Um, and then, you know, they did all have jobs. I know, I know some people think of them as hanger on or leeches or whatever, but they all worked really hard. They all had, I don't know, recently someone came up with a, something that was at the auction that I think Marty Lacker had written all the different duties of each, each one of the Memphis Mafia. And Richards was the longest. He was the most giving person, most thoughtful person. And I think probably he got taken advantage of sometimes when the other guys maybe didn't want to do the job. They knew Richard would do it. So he had a he had a list of things that he did. Um, and it was truly a job, but he, he loved it. Um, as far as me, he was my whole life. He was my, my best friend. We were together 14 years. We were married um, five years and um, never dreamt that I would lose him that early on when the triplets were two years old. But um, the one the one thing, one thing that I remembered when you guys told me that you were going to be interviewing me was that um, I told him, I said, you must have had an incredible life with Elvis Presley. I mean, I just can't imagine how many people would love to have, you know, been there with Elvis Presley. And the biggest compliment I ever got was he said, yeah, that, that was great, honey, but being with you... Um, are the happiest years of my life. And that was before even the kids were born. 
So um, I guess I, I trumped Elvis on that on that deal. <laughs> uh, he sounds like quite a man. He was, yeah, he was amazing. Any anybody who ever met him would 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 tell you. I don't. I, I've never heard a bad word about him. I would like to hear you tell the story. You know, I posted that you were going to be on the show today, and and sex symbol of TCB Radio, Miss Mary Cox, piped up and left us a quote on Facebook, real quick or a comment. She said, "I introduced Kim and Richard." And uh, the rest is history. So we would love for you to tell the story about uh, the first time you met Richard. Okay. Well, I was an Elvis fan. Um, I was born in 1971. So I was only I was only six years old when Elvis died. And my parents had one album. It was the On Stage 1970 album. And I wore that album out. Uh, and I remember they'd gone to, I think, one concert when I was maybe three years old at the Mid-South Coliseum. So I just loved his music. I was 19 years old and just got back from a girl's trip from Flor in Florida. And they uh, told my friends, I said, look, they do Elvis week every year in Memphis. I said, let's go to Elvis week. And everyone gave me a strong no that none of my none of my friends were were Elvis fans. They looked at me like I was crazy. So I decided I would get in my 66 Mustang, which I loved that car. And I drove to uh, Graceland, and it was my first Elvis week, 1990. And I went into the ticket, pavi ticket pavilion, the, the old one that was near and dear to my heart, because that's where I met George Klein and, and Richard Davis. And George had just done a Elvis Memories, two uh, VHS tapes, uh, Performance 1, Performance 2. And I bought them, and I went over to have him sign them. And uh, Richard was there, and I just met some of the guys. And then they were doing a, um, there was a softball game that the uh, guys were going to be, the mafia was going against the Elvis Presley Trauma Center. And I went down to that and met some more of the guys. And there was a guy named Skipper that was a photographer. And he asked me if I wanted to go to Marion's dinner at the Peabody. And I was dressed in shorts and a t-shirt and you know the heat in august in in memphis everybody knows how sweaty you get but i decided to go and i was sitting in the very back of the ballroom and marion cock came up to me i didn't know who she was and she says honey why are you sitting in the back and i'm like well i mean i'm not even supposed to be here I, you know i don't even i don't even have a ticket i just got in because i knew this guy she said come up here let's sit you up front and she sits me down at the table with sam phillips george Klein, richard davis dj fontana the jordanaires were sitting on the table next to me and i just couldn't believe it it's my first elvis week my first day and i'm sitting with these people that were you know such a huge part of elvis's world Yes, absolutely. Just, it was just amazing. I don't know why she picked me. She doesn't know why, but uh, she wanted me to sit up there with them for some reason. I'm so glad that she that she did. And then we just I just proceeded pretty much to stalk Richard Davis because he <laughs> he was unlike any other person that I had ever met. So wherever he was, I would find out where he was, uh, where George Klein was spinning records at that time. And I would go to Marlowe's or Alfred's and just kind of, you know, find out wherever he was. And our, our relationship grew from there. It was just magical. He was my, my soulmate. We were just perfect together. So thanks, Marion. She has a way of bringing people together. That's that's she uh, does. That she certainly does. I love her to pieces. One of the uh, one of the first people when we were when we were getting our show off the ground, one of the first people that we had a chance to talk to and his 
actually helped us along the way and still continues this day is uh, a fellow by the name of Don Wilson. And I know that you're uh, you, you're friends with Don, are you? Not? Yes, I've I've known Don since I was 19 years old, and and Richard knew him way back when uh, Elvis was still alive. He's a good, he's a good friend of my family. He's like a brother to me. Yeah, he's he's been he's been so great to us and uh, just just helped us out and has been so gracious with his time and helping us get together. So, it, it, you know wh what we found and what's really nice is that us, so many people have been helpful, you know, with us and say, oh, you need to talk to this person. You need to talk to that person. Yeah, his Don's and, knowledge is amazing. I know Richard and George would constantly ask him, what year was that that Elvis did that or or what's that movie that. Elvis was in with the boat or the car, you know, because they, they were there. It's not something that they, you know, they don't remember all those dates. But Don has always had, had a wealth of knowledge. He was their go-to, for sure. His recall is tremendous. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. Much better than mine. <laughs> I read somewhere that uh, Richard Davis's middle name was Elvin. Is that correct? E-L-V-I-N? That is true. And he hated it. And... He hated that name, and he always said, "When I pass away, do not put that name on my grave. Do not." <laughs> but the, there was a funny story that uh, you know they were always trying to prank each other, and Alan Fortis and Richard both to told Elvis that their middle name was Elvis, and of course he didn't believe them because I mean Elvis is not a common name. And he said, no, no, that Alan swore his middle name was Elvis and Richard swore his middle name was Elvis. He says, let me see your driver's license. He said something like, I'll give you $100 for every letter that your middle name is like mine. And so they put their thumb over their middle name of the driver's license and just kind of slowly, you know, moved it over to the right. Well, Alan was E and then L and then he lost out because his middle name was Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. And then Richard really had him going because he had his thumb over it and he had the E, the L, the V and the I. And he would not take his thumb off the driver's license to show the last letter. And so George Klein was up at, at the house and Elvis had George call the um, health department because he needed to know, you know, whether really Richard's middle name was Elvis or not. And they finally found out it was Elvin with an N, but that was the closest. And I think, I think uh, Richard got a little bit of cash off of that deal, but that was, it was, it was the closest than, you know, than any of the other guys, Richard Elvin. I, I do not have it on his, his tombstone because I promised I would never, never put that on there. We'll be right back with today's interview after this announcement from Cruising with the King. Are you ready to celebrate Elvis and cast your cares away with us on Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas? Non-stop activities, VIP gift bags, daily exclusive private performances by the co-host of TCB Radio Network, Peter Alden, and other big name artists. This is Krista Joy, founder of TCB Radio Network, and I'll be on board too. Join us for Cruising with the King aboard Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas, sailing April 1st through 5th, 2019. You'll meet Elvis's co-star from Kissin' Cousins, Cynthia Pepper, his personal nurse and good friend, Marion Cock, plus many talented performers celebrating the king of rock and roll. Karaoke, Elvis Bingo with up to $500 in prizes, Elvis on a Shelf, Door Decorating Contest, Question and Answer Session with Elvis's nurse, Marion Cock, 
special group t-shirts, up close and personal interactions with the performers, and many opportunities for impromptu selfies are all included. Be sure to use code PA1 for a special gift. Details, video, and more can be found at tcbradionetwork.com. Just type CRUISE in the search bar. Join us April 1st through 5th, 2019 on Royal Caribbean for Cruising with the King. Be sure to use booking code PA1. Now, I know you, you said earlier that he, he was a jack-of-all-trades working for Elvis, and you said he laid out his clothes. So from that, I'm assuming, is how he became the wardrobe manager. Now, did he, did he share any specific memories of what Elvis liked to wear and if he ever put anything out and Elvis would say, no, I don't want that to get something else? Or I did ask him one time because I just wanted to know the logistics of how the, the jumpsuit was picked. I was just curious, you know, and we were sitting around one day. And I said, now, did he like, when you guys went on tour, did you take 10, 15? You go in and say, I want you to take these specific ones. He goes, oh, no, we took all of them. We took every one of them. I said, so who decided that, that at that show that night, who decided what jumpsuit he would wear? And he said, well, I would just take. So Richard basically decided three or four. He would pick three or four for Elvis to choose from. And he would take them into the dressing room. And just however Elvis was feeling, or maybe sometimes he would put one on and maybe it was missing a bead or a fringe or, you know, the, so they would have a backup. So Richard right. would pick three or four. And then, of course, Elvis would ultimately pick the, the final one. And, and Richard would have his uh, jewelry case, which was huge. And he would, you know, pick what jewelry he would want to wear that day. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, because that's not some, that's a good question. That's not something that you know, you would think about, does he, does he take certain ones? Does he tell you, I want the blue one, I want the white one. And it was Richard that would pick three or four. And then he may try one on, he just wasn't feeling it that night. And he would, you know, try on another one. So I thought that was cool that Richard was, you know, very involved in, in that. And I remember him saying, you know, when he would take them off of Elvis, they weighed, they weighed so much more than when they originally were put on him because of all the sweat. And they were made out of right. like, they were made out of like wool gabardine. They were so heavy with, with sweat. That was just, that was, of course, the women like to hear that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just picturing, you know, that jumpsuit coming off of Elvis with it drenched in sweat. That's a, that's a, and, and Richard was an incredible storyteller. So when he would tell it, I felt, even though I never met Elvis, I felt like I was there. <laughs> That's great. Since he was such a great storyteller, did he give you any other kind of stories of what it was like uh, to be on tour with Elvis? Anything that you can share with us that maybe a lot of people might not know? On tour? There wasn't a lot of those. I just, I just know, you know, how how grueling it was for everyone. How how tired he, you know, they would all get, uh, just going from city to city and never even knowing really where they were, and not really even getting to see the see, you know, the United States, you know, because you would think that they would have seen a lot of stuff. The more, I, I guess, because he really was, he he stopped officially working for him in 1971, even though they remained friends to to his death. It was mainly the, the most of the stories were movie stories or traveling in that bus going from Memphis to California and back there. That, that's when they really got to see the United States because he didn't really fly when Richard was working for him very much. You know, he was mainly going 
going on that bus and he loved it. I always thought it was wild that he liked to drive the bus. He could have anybody drive for him, but he always wanted to drive. Yeah, those those video, the, there's like short little videos of, of one of the bus trips. And every time I see that video, I think, man, they must have had so much fun on that bus. I think that one that where they, they got kind of got into a little play fight was uh, somebody was cheating at Yahtzee. And uh, uh, you see Billy Smith and I think poor Richard gets crushed underneath the front seat. It's <laughs> But it just shows the fun that they had. And and Richard didn't have a great childhood. A lot of the guys didn't. They didn't have money or their parents weren't around. And Richard was raised by his paternal grandmother. And just to see that they got to experience all the fun of the skating rinks and the, the you know, Liberty Land and just you know, all the hijinks that they never got to do as kids. And Elvis gave them that opportunity. I'm so grateful that he made him so happy. So what happened? Um, why did why did Richard stop working for Elvis? I think the story that he always told me is that he got a pink slip from Vernon Presley, uh, <laughs> which is not surprising. Of course, Rich, Richard was fired, you know, several times, just like everybody else, you know. Um, right. <laughs> everybody got fired four or five times. Yes, everybody, everybody got fired. I, th- I know Richard one time got fired because Johnny Rivers... Um, had written this song, well, had, had, had recorded the song, Memphis, Tennessee. And um, Elvis had had him over at some point, and Elvis had already recorded it, had an acetate of it, and played it for Johnny Rivers. And then Johnny Rivers leaves and, like, you know, within the week records it himself. And, and Elvis was very upset. And uh, some of the guys, I think, told him he wanted to know who let this man into my house. And of course, everybody points to Richard because he's just the, he's just he's just the one that's not going to get mad. He's the scapegoat, oh. you know, poor guy. He was just he had the biggest heart. But uh, that was one of the times that he got fired because he thought that um, that Richard had let Johnny Rivers into the house, which I think his real name is Johnny Ramostello. But what was your original question? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, getting fired. Yeah, nineteen. So nineteen seventy one, and then Richard goes to Elvis and said, "Look, your dad. You know, your dad has let me go." And he goes, "Oh, don't pay attention to him. You know, you know, you're never, you know, never going to be fired." At that, at that time, Richard was trying to, you know, establish himself, and like a lot of the other guys, I know Jerry Schilling was got a, a degree in film and Richard started working for Stax Records and became a promo man for them and then went on to Warner Brothers and he was the national promoter for Warner Brothers Records. So that was just something he wanted to, you know, just expand. He'd been working for him for a decade and, you know, that kind of life as you get older is, is hard and, and to have, you know, a family life or any kind of stability and so he still, you know, you saw him like Elvis on tour and some of the different uh, documentaries, but he wasn't officially working for him then. But always whenever Elvis was in Memphis, um, Richard was all, always there. But yeah, ultimately it was Vernon that, that I guess was trying to cut back as, as usual. <laughs> right. That always seemed to be the truth. Everybody seemed to get their pink slips from Vernon. Right, right, right. Without Elvis's knowledge. Right, exactly. He was in, he thought, I think he thought he was in charge, evidently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe he won't notice if all of a sudden he's gone from six Memphis Mafia guys to four. Four, right. <laughs> and they were a family. They were, so, they were so close. I've never seen, I guess Elvis had the original entourage and now you see it more frequently. But to have 12 men around you all the time, sometimes I, I felt bad for Priscilla because that would be, 
that would be rough. They they, yeah. they loved well, each other. Yeah. And speaking of Priscilla, I was wondering uh, when you finally got to meet her, and do you still keep in touch with her and stuff like that, or not really? I do. She's a she's a sweetheart. We text every now and then. Uh, if something big happens in the triplets' life, I'll send her a picture. And uh, you know, anytime anything comes out, she wants my opinion on it and that's i think that's really sweet that she would want my my opinion on on anything you know any kind of production that she does or song that comes out but i first met her when i'd been dating richard maybe a year or two and we were at uh, marlowe's which a friend of mine owns and that's one of my favorite places in the world Richard and George were spinning records at Marlowe's and it was it was getting late and Priscilla and um, the a crew, some kind of film crew, were up at Graceland shooting a documentary, which I didn't know about. And Richard says, look, we're about to leave here. Do you want to go down to Graceland? And I'm like, well, it's like midnight. What are we what are we going to do at Graceland? And he says, well, Priscilla's up there filming and, you know, I want to introduce you to her. And of course, I tried to play it real cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I'm like 21 years old. That'd be great. And so um, I'm driving my first new car, I had a little blue sports car. And so we drive up to the gates and I said, so where are we going to park? And he says, well, just a minute. And he gets out and he goes and talks to the, the guard at the gate. And so he gets back in the car and he goes, okay, go ahead and pull up. I said, pull up what? And he goes, he's going to open up the gates for you so you can pull up the driveway. I said, no way. There is no way I am driving my This is crazy. You mean I'm driving my car up, up to the mansion? He said, yeah. Chris, you know, it meant not, it's, it's common to him. I'm freaking out. And so we, we drive up. And at that time, all of Elvis's cars, this is probably 1992. All of Elvis's cars are still on the carport. That was before the car museum. So he's telling me where to go. And I'm driving up front of the mansion and I park on, at Elvis's carport. And it just, it just got crazier from, from that point on. And so uh, Priscilla is in the front yard. All the lights are on her. They're filming her do a documentary. Of course, the FedEx planes keep flying over every few seconds because Graceland is not very far from the Memphis airport. And they had to keep cut, cut, cut. So Priscilla comes over to see uh, Richard. And, of course, Elvis called him Broom. But at this point, Richard had, you know, a little, a little belly and had gained a little weight. So um, Priscilla started calling him Mop. So that was his, that was his <laughs> new name. And she just couldn't be nicer. And uh, Michelle, her sister, saw me standing there while Priscilla was reminiscing with uh, Richard and George. And she just, you know, came over and saw me just standing there by myself and just was the sweetest thing and just talked to me. Then there was some media there that wanted to take, uh, and Jerry Schilling was there, and wanted to take a picture of Jerry and Richard and George inside. So we go inside the mansion and I feel so out of place. It's dark. It's kind of kind of spooky. And so they're standing on the stairs that lead up to the upstairs. And the photographer's taking a picture, which I still have that picture somewhere of George and Richard and Jerry. And I'm just trying to stay out of the way. And so I back into the dining room and I have my back against one of the chairs and it's dark in there. And all of a sudden I hear the door to the kitchen open, the swinging door. And I'm like, what is this? 
and it was Elvis's Aunt Delta. And she looked at me. Of course, I'm the only one standing there. And she says, I wish everybody would get out of my GD house. You know, she said the real words. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm not even supposed to be here. But I'm with them. And it was just that was the first meeting. And she was just so lovely. And, you know, Richard, Richard used to uh, drive her to school. So they were they were really tight. And, and she just has been so loving and, and towards my family, towards the triplets, especially wanting to help after Richard passed away. She was in Hawaii when he passed away and she she sent beautiful flowers and you know just apologized for not being at the funeral and just we've just you know stayed in in touch ever since then thanks for listening to part one of this interview tune in this wednesday for the exciting conclusion don't forget to subscribe to tcb radio network on itunes google podcasts spotify breaker pocket cast radio public stitcher or your favorite podcast platform by subscribing you'll get a notification as soon as our latest episode drops while you're at it, please rate us with a five-star review. This will help other Elvis fans find our show. Also, this just in, you can now subscribe to our podcast episodes on YouTube. We also have a YouTube channel that includes archived episodes of our Facebook Live broadcasts and more. You can find links to this and so much more at tcbradionetwork.com. We'd also like to thank Lee Douglas of Old Time Rock and Roll. Always found at www.oldtimernr.com for converting our show to iTunes. We appreciate you, Lee. Be sure to check out Lee's fantastic site and listen to his weekly shows. All oldies music with no commercials. TCB Radio Network is strictly a fan publication, not affiliated in any way with Elvis Presley Enterprises or any of its affiliates or subsidiaries. Please visit us online at tcbradionetwork.com. All trademarks, product names, company names, and logos mentioned are the properties of their respective owners. All opinions stated within do not necessarily reflect the opinions of anyone else, and certainly not Elvis Presley Enterprises. Still the King, our theme song for TCB Radio Network podcast, was written by Shane Douglas, produced by Terry Fullwider at Blue Spot Studios, and performed by Peter Alden and his band, Crown Electric Company, featuring David Fontana, son of Elvis Presley's original drummer, DJ Fontana, on drums. Elvis Presley is still the king. Well, he's still the king. Got so many show good singing. Got so many still the king.